<clears throat> as you can imagine, uh, I, like you, have a lot of interactions with people throughout the week, and, and um, not just you know people who are part of our church, but people outside of our church. And a lot of the folks I communicate with are folks you know in our community, um, especially people connected to the baseball community, this or that. And, but, but over the past few weeks, um, I had two interactions that, that really, really stood out to me um, as it relates to what I'm going to talk about this morning. Um, two interactions with people who, who both professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. The first interaction was um, this guy that for years used to be um, knee-deep in legalism and what I would call uh, re- religiosity, which is all about working to please and, and trying to be acceptable in God's sight by, by keeping a list of man-made rules. It's pretty much all about performing, performing to get God's favor. And um, I remember when I first met this guy, and it was kind of like I watched him for probably about 10 years. It was like a journey of, of watching this guy be freed up from, from that mindset. And as I watched him, it, it was like you could see the joy come into his life. You could see that there was more peace. You could see more grace just start to come out of him, not just, you know, towards his, the way he was feeling about himself, but also towards other people. I saw him become more merciful towards other people. His view of God changed. It was, it was like someone had set him free from slavery. It was like, like someone had taken a burden off of his shoulders. And then I ran into him um, a few days ago, and, and, and I realized that over the last year or so, he's gra- begun to gravitate back towards legalism. When I saw him um, a few days ago, it was like someone just literally sucked the life out of him, sucked the joy out of him. There was a, there was a stern look on his face. When we, when we talked about God and we were talking about kind of the state of things, you know, around us, it, there was a sense of anger and frustration in his voice. There was, there, was, there was no grace. The grace that used to be there was gone. There was no love. He, was actually, he actually looked enslaved to me. And then over the past few weeks, I had another interaction with... Um, another person that I've known for actually longer than the first person. And again, this person is a professed follower of Jesus Christ, but, but very, very different story. They've taken a different path. Over the, the past few years, I've, I've actually watched this person take what we're going to call this morning a license to sin and then decide to get things right with God, only now to be consciously walking back towards sin. And what was interesting about this person, as they were expressing uh, what, they were, you know, what they were going through, is I was sensing that the very same emotions and very same behaviors that I had encountered with the person that was walking back into legalism. There was, that sa- there was a same lack of joy. There was a, a same sense of frustration. There was a same sense of discouragement. There, there was no freedom at all. If anything, you could, sense, you could feel the sense of helplessness and a sense of, of bondage, a sense of slavery. And I would venture to guess this morning in a room this size with this many people that, that some of you can personally identify with my two friends. Maybe you are enslaved to legalism. You are, you're working hard, as hard as you can to try to earn God's favor. But this, there's this feeling in your gut, in your heart, that, that no matter what you're doing, it's never quite good enough. Maybe it's also caused you to be gen- judgmental of others. I mean, you, you've set a bar for yourself, and the bar you, you've set for others is actually higher, and it's just unreachable. And one of the things that I've learned about legalism is that it's always accompanied by fear, guilt, anxiety, pride, and a burden that you cannot bear. Others of you may be enslaved to, to this totally something different. You're enslaved to, to license, 
You are knowingly walking in sin. You are knowingly, you are choosing to be disobedient towards God. You claim to be saved, but you, you've given yourself a license to sin. And interestingly enough, if you're truly a believer, license is always accompanied by the same thing. Fear, guilt, anxiety, pride, and a burden that you can't bear. Two completely different paths, but both producing the exact same results. Slavery. Well, as we get into chapter 5 in our, in our series on the road of freedom, the, which is a study of the book of Galatians, I, I want to read to you a summary of the whole book of Galatians. The Apostle Paul is the writer. He's writing this letter to the church in Galatia, which was a church that he had started. He was the church planter. And here's what he says in verse 1. He says, for freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, Christ has set us free. Now, for what purpose has Christ set us free? You ready for this? Christ has set us free for the purpose of freedom. Literally, Paul says, for freedom, Christ freed you. For freedom, Christ freed you. Freedom is both a means and an end of the Christian life. Everything about the gospel is freedom. Jesus' whole mission was a mission of liberation. And the fact that the Bible is using this phrase, has set us free in the past tense, means that the mission has already been accomplished. We've been set free for freedom's sake. So Paul says very emphatically, he says, listen, stand firm. Don't fall backwards. If if you're on a road to freedom, true freedom, then then don't slide back into legalism. Don't don't give in to license. Don't give in once again to this burden of slavery. And again, Paul calls it a yoke. Now, if you maybe grew up around a farm or if you want to think about back when this was written, um, they would use oxen or large cattle to, to pull a cart or to pull some kind of farm equipment like a plow, and they would take a thing called a yoke and they would put it on an ox. It was very heavy. And that would be connected to the plow, and it would, the ox would drag it through a field. And so Paul is taking this, this imagery of a, of a yoke, a very heavy, heavy piece of equipment, and he's saying that slavery, that slavery he's talking about, is like a yoke, it's like a burden that's so heavy on our shoulders. Now, what if followers of Jesus, what have we actually been freed from? Well, it's kind of a Bible term, but pagan idolatry, which basically means the things of this world. Before the gospel was introduced to the people of Galatia, and before they actually had received salvation, they had been pagans. I mean, totally lost people, enslaved by idolatry. They they worshipped other gods, things like sexual immorality, um, things like pride, Uh, greed, materialism, those kind of things actually controlled them. They they were into idol worship. And here's what Paul says in Galatians 4.3. He says, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And so that's why Paul's saying, listen, you got to stand firm. Don't lose the freedom that Christ brought to you through salvation. Don't slide back into a sinful lifestyle. Don't enslave yourself and put Back on this burden of guilt, this burden of fear and anxiety. Don't bring shame back into your life. The gospel has given us the power to walk in freedom from our past sins. To be freed up from the guilt of our past sins. So Christ came to set us free from pagan idolatry. But, but listen to this. He also came to set us free from biblical moralism. From keeping the laws of 
the Bible, the Old Testament. Now, over the last several weeks, we've talked about Old Testament law. We talked about how Jesus came to fulfill it and, when, and how when he went to the cross, the requirements of the law basically were perfection and sacrifice. And how those things were, they were accomplished through Jesus' death. In other words, a perfect man gave his life as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And so because of that, salvation is a free gift to all of us this morning. However, if you remember from week one and even week two of the series, Paul says a very different kind of gospel, which he then says, which was no gospel at all, he says was being introduced to the church by uh, the church of Galatia by a group of men called the Judaizers. And they were a group of teachers that said that in order to truly be saved and to be right with God, you had to be circumcised in the tradition of Old Testament law. In order to become a Christian, you first had to become a Jew. And if you remember, Paul was furious. He was angry. And he said, listen, if anyone tries to add anything to salvation by, by grace, through, through faith in Christ alone, they should be accursed. Destruction should come upon them. Now, why is this such a big deal? Why have we been talking? Why is, why is an entire book of the Bible called Galatians, why is it in there? Well, as of, children of God, we are no longer under the authority of the law. The requirements of the law have been fulfilled. We have been freed up from the obligations to obey the whole law in order to be justified by God. Now, listen to this. When, when you look through the page of the New Testament, here's what we see. We see directives. We see commands. And we're called to follow those commands. Some of those things have actually been carried over from the Old Testament. We've not been given license to sin and to disobey God's commands. We're called to live a life of obedience. However, what is our motivation for obedience? What should be our motivation for obedience? Love. Not legalism. Not perfection. Not performance. It's love. It's not, it's not moralism. It's not trying to, to, to earn God's favor or acceptance. It's, it's simply love. So sin and law, what do they lead to? They both lead to spiritual slavery. And we have been, as the song said a moment ago that we just sang, we have been set free from both. We have been set free from condemnation to sin, but we've also been set free from the motivation to sin. So we can... We can we find the church of Galatia, they're faced with this decision. They're confronted with this thing. Are we going to embrace true freedom in Christ? Are we going to return back to our sinful ways? Or are we going to believe what the Judaizers are saying? Are we going to actually add works and law keeping to find fulfillment in Christ? And listen, I, you know, we look at this and we go, man, that, that, that's a tough thing that church was facing. But I think that this issue is still extremely relevant for right now. Because when we come to this point of salvation, or all of a sudden when we come to a place in our lives where we take a step further to become a a more fully devoted follower of Christ, here's what I see happening so often. We take our freedom, and, 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 and I think the reason we do this is, listen, Satan does not want you to be free. And so... Oftentimes what we'll do in our pursuit of Christ is we'll add some rules, we'll add some, we'll add some things to it, and we fall into legalism without even knowing it. And we end up putting this burden of slavery on top of ourselves, and then we judge other people based upon the rules that we've created. On the other side, and, and I watch people do this as well, they go into license. Well, if I've been freed and grace is for me and God has paid for all of my sins, then I can sin all I want. I can just do whatever I want because God will just forgive me. 
I can do whatever I want because I can always go back and find forgiveness and grace. And, and that's true, but yet we're tr- we get into Romans and we see, we, Paul says, you're actually trampling on grace when you do that. So this is so relevant for today. It's, it's so relevant. And I think there's a misunderstanding out there when it comes to the issue of freedom. What does it really look like? Where, and where does it come from? And where does it lead to? Well, two things, and we just talked about them, but I, I want to talk about them again. The first place that a misunderstanding of freedom leads us to is just legalism. And again, what is legalism? Legalism is looking to something besides Jesus in order to be acceptable and clean before God. Tim Keller says legalism always results in pride and fear and exclusion and strife. Pride and fear and exclusion and strife socially. Legalism is following rules in order to earn something from God. Now, what are, the com- what are some common examples of legalism? Well, one is I follow rules to earn God's grace. Or I follow rules to earn God's blessing. Or I follow rules to earn God's favor. It's all about looking to something besides Jesus to be acceptable and clean before God. Now, why is this so dangerous? Why is legalism so dangerous? Well, it causes us to depend upon ourselves instead of depending upon Christ. We end up becoming our own savior. We actually look to ourselves to be a savior rather than looking to Jesus to be our savior. Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 says, Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Now, some of you may be looking at it going, what, is he, what, what does that mean? Here's what, here's what Paul's saying, and this is why this is so important. He says, if you can earn salvation by adding works to it, if you can earn God's favor by adding works to it, then Christ has no value to you. Christ, his death, the whole de- it has no value. Now, Paul's made this point a few times throughout the book of Galatians. He's, he's wanting to drive the point home. Paul, Paul wants the Galatians to know you can't add to Christ without subtracting Christ. Either he is all we need for salvation or he has no worth and no value at all. And here's what legalism does. Legalism causes us to look to ourselves, to look to our own accomplishments and to our own works to receive grace. Paul says adding works to grace actually causes you to fall away from grace. Another reason why this is so dangerous is it because it, it, it infects an entire church. And here's what Paul, Paul asks a question in verse 7. He, he, he says first, he makes a statement here first. He says, you were running well. Man, I heard about you and you were running well. You were doing so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. And then he says this. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, a little false teaching added into the true, pure message of salvation, a little works added to the pure message of grace, it it poisons the whole message. Legalism infects the entire message, but it also can infect an entire church. And you think about the history of Christianity for a moment. From the time that it started in the book of Acts, where we see the church is birthed, when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, and and the 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 first church is birthed in Jerusalem, and then it spreads all over the place. If you watch the history of Christianity and you look and you go, How? look at all these religions that were created. Look at all these denominations that were created. Look at even, even cults that have popped up out of it. How did all that happen? Because someone or a group of people who are very convincing or very passionate 
with a need to maybe control people, added this work or that rule or this man-made regulation or this law to the message of the gospel, which is the message of the gospel is salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so what do we have? We have all of these things out there that have been birthed because legalism and license have crept into all of it. Legalism has polluted it in, some, in many ways. Paul says to the Galatians, he says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever he is. And then he says in verse 12, look at this now, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, I don't know about you, but Paul, I'm looking at this going, this man's not mincing any words here. He wishes that the Judaizers, Judaizers that were adding circumcision to salvation would actually castrate themselves. Now, author John Stott, he, he says that Paul's words here, they're not born out of a thirst for revenge. And I think that's important. But instead, they're out of a deep love for people. And I want you to understand something as I talk to you this morning. My passion, some of you can probably tell I'm passionate about this topic. Because I've walked on both sides of this, of, of this fence of legalism. I very innocently was raised in legalism and then very consciously at a point in my life chose license. So I'm passionate about both sides of it. But it's not, if, there's a, if you sense a, a, an angry frustration, hopefully it's a righteous anger, but I want you to understand more than anything, it's out of a deep love. It's out of a deep love for you. Having grown up in legalism, I can identify with Paul's feelings here. I mean, and when, so when, when somebody who is not just trapped in legalism innocently, but somebody who is knowingly putting legalism on someone else, I want to tell you where I, where I, maybe I err. My tolerance for legalism is like around zero. When I get confronted with legalism, I can just feel my grace meter begin to go to empty. I can literally feel my blood pressure beginning to rise. And I believe it's one of the reasons that God has put Westridge Church in this part of the country is to help people not to lose gospel freedom. However, one of the things that also breaks my heart is when people abuse their freedoms in Christ and they fall into what we're calling this morning license. License is another misunderstanding of, of our freedom in Christ. License, this is what license says. License says I'm free, I'm forgiven, and so because of that, I can just do whatever I want. Look at verse 13. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, Paul knows that when, when you take a word like freedom or you, you put a phrase like freedom from the law, that there are going to be people that are going to turn it into a free-for-all just to basically determine their own standard of behavior. And Paul says, under no circumstance does the gospel give anyone a license to sin. Instead, he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Now, over the last 15 and a half years of Westridge, one of the most fulfilling things that I've experienced has been watching people be freed up from legalism. Watching people to understand for the, maybe the first time what it truly means to live in freedom. When someone, when someone discovers that truth, that because of Christ they're acceptable and they're pleasable in God's eyes, I mean, you can literally see the guilt begin to disappear. You can see it's like the shame just starts falling off of them. It's like that yoke, that burden is, is lifted However, what breaks my heart just as much is when I see that very same person who has discovered freedom all of a sudden now swing to the other side and they begin to take that newfound freedom and abuse it. 
to use that freedom, to use that, their, their, what they've understood about salvation as now a license to sin. And then if, if someone is truly saved, what happens? You watch that person who, tr- tr- they got freed up over here, the guilt, the shame, it was all gone. You watch them all of a sudden just put it right back on themselves. You watch the guilt return. You watch the shame come back. You watch the burden just literally fall back onto someone's life. Why? Why does that happen? Here's what Tim Keller says. He says, The gospel neither leads us to a life, to live a guilty life since God has lovingly accepted us, nor an unholy life since the God who has accepted us is perfectly holy. One of the reasons that I believe so many pastors come down on the legalistic side is because they're afraid. They're afraid that by just preaching the simplicity of the gospel, by just, just it, it is by grace, it, by grace through faith in Christ alone, just by giving that message, that, that they're going to somehow or another give their flock a license to sin. And so here's what happens. They, they add man-made rules, they add regulations to the message of salvation, and not only that, but they also, they add it to the message of what it means to truly be a follower of Jesus. And what is that all about? It's all about control. But here's what happens. Instead of bringing freedom, it just brings more slavery. Legalism causes us to lose our freedoms. License causes us to abuse our freedoms. And Christ has set us free for the purpose of freedom. If you misunderstand what freedom should look like, here's what happens. You find yourself right back into chains. The chains that Jesus came to set us free from. If you go down either one of those paths... To try to find freedom, all you find is chains. You find slavery. So, where will a true understanding of freedom lead us? If you can truly understand the, the, the gospel message of Scripture, where, will it, where should it lead us? It, it should lead us to love. First of all, it should lead us to love God. Galatians 5.5 5 says this, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul says, true faith will produce love. When I get my hands around, when I truly understand the price that God has paid to rescue me and to save me, and what he has actually saved me from, then my desire to obey him no longer comes from guilt. It comes from love. That's the motivation behind, Lord, I want to obey you. On it. it comes from love. Even though he's already pleased with me because of Jesus, a true understanding of freedom makes me want to please him with my actions, with my desires, even with my behavior. I want you to think about this for a moment. If God loves me enough to give his son's life as a sacrifice for mine, and if he is truly all-knowing, all right, and has more wisdom than I could ever get my mind around, and his wisdom is actually, is, it's found in the Bible, and we have access to this, then why would I ever want to use my freedom to embrace the sinful nature that God gave his son's life to free me from? Why would I ever want to abuse that whole thing? Here's what sin caused me, and, and, and sin's done this to all of us. Sin caused me to be an enemy of God. Sin by nature, it left me unforgiven. It left me unfulfilled. But the power of the gospel in my life and in your life, you know what it does? It devours my motivation to sin. Now, do I still sin? Yes. Do you still sin? Yeah. But here's what happens. As I grow in my love for God, as as I understand more and more what Christ has done for me and who I am as a child of God, here's where I find myself. Embracing repentance 
and sinning less. Wanting to sin less and realizing that I have that power through the gospel to, to sin less. Now, let me borrow another thought from, from, from author Tim Keller. I want you to think for a moment about lying, okay? Think about the, the sin, a lie. Since I'm a child of God, I don't have to fear that I'm going to be cast off from God if I lie. I am free from the legal penalty of that lie. Gospel freedom assures me that dishonesty is not going to condemn me. Now, some of you are thinking, well, great, I'm just going to lie all I want. No, 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 wait a minute. Think about this. Why would we ever want to lie in the first place? It's because we fear losing something if we told the truth. What do most people strive for in life? Think about this. They strive for approval or power or comfort or success. We lie because we're afraid of losing one of those things. But when we live our lives for any of those things, what happens? Those things become saviors to us. A person who must have approval, power, comfort, or success to have joy or worth will lie to get or to keep that functional savior. However, a person who truly understands freedom in Christ, and not just in their intellectual thinking, but through their actions and through their affections, they understand, I don't need to lie. I I don't have a desire to lie. Even if lying does not change their standing before God, they don't need it. Why? Because of what Jesus and what, he, because of, and what he has done for me, which is the gospel message. God has already put his stamp of approval on me. Boom. I don't have to worry, and neither do you, about living your life for the approval of others. Or to wonder if God's approved of you. Because, because of Jesus, the stamp of approval is on you. God has already given me as much power as he wants me to have. I don't need to strive for comfort and success to find joy and to to find worth. I have all I need in Christ. I I don't need any lowercase s saviors in my life. I have tried so many of them, and I want to tell you where they lead. They lead you down a road of unfulfillment, every single one of them. I have a Savior spelled with a capital S. And the more that I get to know him and the more I understand true freedom, the more I want to love and obey him. That's freedom. That's freedom. Now listen to this. Not only should true freedom help us to love and to love God, but it should also lead us to love others. Now, this is one of those moments where as I'm writing and I'm studying for a passage, a message, this message this morning, I literally pushed myself away from the table and just went, wow. Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but, lo- but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul tells us, that we are freed up from the obligation to obey the whole law to earn salvation. But here, listen to this. But we are obliged to keep the law. And then he sums it all up into one little single command. He says, love your neighbor. Now I want you to listen because this is huge. This is huge. Paul says we are not called to freedom for ourselves or to give us the green light to, into sin. But instead, through love, we are called to serve one another. And here's what I found. Here's what I have found personally. The more I understand the truth of the gospel, not just salvation, but what Christ has done for me and who I am in Christ, and the more I exercise my, my faith in Christ and the more I put my hope and I find my hope in God, the more 
loving I am, the more loving I become. And the more loving I become, the more I want to serve someone else. See, when you are stingy, when you are, are selfish, when you're unloving, when you're greedy, when you are just selfish towards other people, it's a clear sign that you may not understand the gospel. Christ has freed us. Why? For freedom's sake. So we can gain more approval from God? No. So we can sin all we want? Absolutely not. Christ has freed us so we can love God with all of our hearts. I don't have to worry about condemnation. And he's freed me to love you. He's freed me to serve you. He's freed you to love the people around you, to serve each other. And when I get my hands around that, when you get your hands around that, when we get our hearts around this, it should just excite us. I'm I'm telling you, it makes me want you to understand this truth. Why? Because legalism equals slavery. License equals slavery. Students, listen to me. Some of you are mature as believers, some of you are not. All of you, some of you are as mature as believers and some of you are not. And here's what I find, and, and I've experienced this myself, trying to find where, Lord, I, I go down this path, I feel bad. I go down this path, I feel bad. And, and what happens is, is when, we, when we, we're not growing in Christ and we're not understanding the truth of the gospel, and when we understand that Satan doesn't want you to experience the true result of the gospel, the true result of freedom, which is love, then what happens? We say, Lord, in my pursuit of you, Lord, we find ourselves in legalism, putting more rules, putting more performing to get God's approval and his acceptance. And all of a sudden, then what happens? We start judging everyone else based on our standard. We start looking down our nose at everyone else who isn't, they're not quite as holy as we are. And we find ourselves enslaved. The other flip side of that is we, we, we... look and go, man, God, thank you so much for dying. Jesus, free gift. I got that ticket stamped. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to sin as much as I want. And what happens? Slavery. Burden, guilt, shame. True freedom leads us to love. To love God. Just because I understand what he's done for me. To love you. Not to be so desperately trying to get your approval, to get you to be pleased with me, to get you to, to love me back to, for, for, for power or for comfort or success. And that's how it is for all of us with other people. That's true gospel freedom. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord, I just, my heart is, Lord, that we would grab hold of this message. And Lord, I know for a lot of people this is new. And it it causes us, when we hear it for the first time, to wrestle inside, even to become angry or to push back or even maybe to feel a sense of relief that all of a sudden it's like the chains are gone. I know it may cause this moment of just sorrow and Lord you're leading us through your Holy Spirit to a moment of repentance and we're so grateful for repentance which when we just confess our sins before you Lord 
you forgive them. And Lord, I, I would venture to guess, Lord, and I have been at this place many moments in my own life where I realized I'm walking down this legalistic path and I've had to come to you, Lord, and to re- repent of that mindset of trying to add something to Christ to, to seek approval. And you meet me there. Thank you. And then there's moments, Lord, or I've consciously chosen license. And yet, through repentance, I come to you and with a promise to forgive me, Lord, you meet me there with a heart full of brokenness and sorrow. Lord, my heart for myself this morning is that I would walk the road to freedom and that, Father, I would continue to understand what it means to truly love you with all of my heart. And Lord, I would also understand and that everyone would understand what it means to truly love others to the place where we realize, Lord, when we gain true freedom, when we put our faith in you, Lord, it it compels us to want to serve other people. It takes away the stinginess. It takes away the greed. It takes away the, the selfishness. It takes away, Lord, just the things, Lord, that separate us from you and cause division between us, the jealousy, the envy. True love casts away all fear. Truth, when we know the truth, it sets us free. And that's my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would understand gospel truth. Let it sink down deep into our hearts. Let it just permeate our souls. we've chosen legalism, we've chosen license, Lord, that we would come to you at this very moment and just lay it down. And Lord, repent. Ask you for forgiveness. Free us up to love. If you're here this morning and you've never received God's free gift of salvation, you've never been freed up from sin and the consequences of sin, Jesus offers you that this morning. If you don't know how to if you don't know how to walk down that road, let me, let me lead you. Lord, just don't you pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, at this very moment, because, Lord, by grace, through faith, right now, I put all of my trust in you. I want you to know I'm sorry for my sin. And I accept and I receive God's free gift of salvation. Thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Now, Lord, teach me to walk the road to freedom. Teach me to love others. Teach me to love you, Lord, the way you've created me to love you. Teach me to love others and to serve others the way you've created me to love and serve others. Not to be deterred or derailed by legalism or license. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask all of our, our, our hosts who are serving communion right now to come forward and take your place if you would. And We're going to... I love communion. It's just that we do it every month. It's a time for us to, in a moment like this, to just make things right with God. Just let God clean the deck. And I'm so thankful for First John 1, 9 says, because the Lord is he's faithful, that when we come to him, he forgives us of our sins. He's righteous. He forgives us of our sins. So as we approach this moment, I want, here's what I want us to do. I, I want us just to take a good inward look and, and ask, ask the Lord to invite him in right now just to do some cleaning, some searchings, and let him do the work that he promises to do in your life to, to, to take you to the next step of experiencing true biblical, true gospel freedom.